Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Just a couple of quick plugs. If you enjoy the show, don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, it would be great if you could give us a decent review. We also have a couple of cracking events coming up, and if you enjoy the podcast, I reckon there's a decent chance you'll enjoy these events. The first is the Global Reputation Forum that's taking place in Oxford on July the 3rd. This is a new kind of event for the PR commons community. It's all about what a good and bad reputation means for organisations, and there are no communication speakers at this event. Our speakers are politicians, journalists and CEOs. The second event I wanted to flag is our annual Future of Influence event. This was a sellout in 2017 and I reckon the programme is even stronger this year. Both events are on the homepage of prmoment.com. OK, plugs over. This week on the PR Moment podcast, I'm pleased to welcome ex-Shine CEO and now Chairman of the Academy, Rachel Bell. Rachel's CV is so long and distinguished, I don't really know where to start. She is a genuine PR legend in the UK, and what makes her career so fascinating is that she has founded and or has a majority stake in many PR firms, from Shine to Mischief to John Doe and the Academy. Rachel, it's been an incredible career. Welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Thank you. You left Fleischmann Hard in, I think, about 1997 as a, a mere account director to set up Shine. That's a pretty big call. How, how did that all come about? <laughs> well... Um, I think you're right, actually. When I when I left Fleischmann Hillard, it was with a couple of things in mind. One is that I was feeling pretty jaded, if I'm honest, with the PR industry. It's a tough place being sort of in between the director, director of the business and actually in between the team that you're leading. And actually, there's a real pinch point there. And I think that's a pinch point that exists probably in the industry still today. Yeah, throwing, uh, throwing a client or two as well. And it can be a tough place to be. It's a tough place to be. And it's, it's sometimes you don't feel like you're winning for either party. Like the mm. client can be, you know, feeling that they want more. And actually, the agency can feel like it wants more from you. So it can be quite tough. And the journalist is annoyed as well. So. <laughs> and everybody's pissed off. <laughs> so, you know, one way or another, it can be quite tough. And I remember thinking as an account director, um, I was feeling like I was a bit in a bit of a rock and a hard place. I know that we were over-servicing a piece of business. Uh, the agency wasn't feeling very happy with me about it. And the client was feeling like they were paying too much money for this big agency that they'd hired. Right. Um, and I remember really feeling like um, I was doing a great job, if I'm honest. I really felt like we were we were managing everybody's agendas really, really well. And I kept saying to the business, look, we're going to get this to a place where this client's going to be a much bigger piece of business. But what ended up happening is uh, there ended up becoming a fallout between the MD at the time and um, my client, which led Fleischmann Hillard at the time to fire that client. And I think they were, you know, they were acting at the time on a principle. Um, and unfortunately for me, it was the only piece of business in my in career up to that point that I'd ever won on my own. So I'd right. only ever made one um, win. So the whole thing irritated you? So the whole thing irritated me to death that I'd now lost my client. And actually it also coalesced with a moment in time when my father was really sick, in right. fact. And um, he'd just been diagnosed with heart disease. And I remember thinking, you know, kind of stuff this for a game of soldiers. I've got other things going on at home. You know, they've fired my client that I've been working so tirelessly for. And I was kind of ready just to go and become a waitress rather than carry on in the industry, if I'm honest. I used to be a waitress. I always thought I was a pretty good one. So um, I decided that, you know, it was probably time for me to go. 
And what ended up happening is the client ended up trying to persuade me to uh, come and work for them in-house. And I remember thinking, I'm not a very good speller and I can't really write a press release and I'm going to get rumbled in a hot minute if I go in-house. So I sort of <laughs> persuaded them that maybe me running their consultancy uh, would be the way to go. And I felt pretty confident we could grow their fees. And so that's how Shine was born. Simple as that. Simple as so that. So you, you had one client and you thought... It's quite often it goes like that, and there's a there's a moment in time where you've got a you've got a decision to make, and you went for the launch your own business decision. Yeah, I did, and uh, it was interesting timing because I remember you know what it gave me the opportunity was to go away with my dad and right. spend a bit of time with him, um, and he sadly passed away um, just. Uh, after I sort of, you know, t- did, did, was that? Did you know that was happening, or was it? A- no, it was all a bit of a shock, actually. Right. You know, he was only ill for a matter of months, and so it all came on pretty quick. And um, and I remember going away to South Africa with him, and we had a chat about my ability to run a business, which he was pretty sceptical about. I mean, I think he was just testing me, if I'm honest, because um, at his funeral, his accountant said that my dad had always had huge, given huge store by the fact that he thought I'd run a great business. Oh, <laughs> he was nice. he was testing me out but I remember um, it was the morning of his funeral that I was sort of stood in my old family bedroom and um, I just decided to start an agency and only relatively few people knew and I took my first new business call stood there on the morning of his funeral thinking this poor client if they could see me now they'd feel so uncomfortable with what I'm doing it's crazy that times like that I mean if you'd have just said it's my dad's funeral today the client was oh my goodness call speak to me next week but for some reason when you're in those moments I've got it's really important I take this call and it clearly isn't yeah Yeah. you're right actually probably but I just kind of thought there was an opportunity there for us to win a piece of business and um, and that's kind of you know that was the moment that Shine was born really right it's funny how that goes because you're you're, you you're probably in bits later that day, but at that moment you were able to take that. By the end yeah, of the day. <laughs> it's, it's a curious thing about I don't know emotion and and, and business and and, and the, the sort of human side of things. But what I was going to ask was, was without going too deep, was was the fact that your dad passed away was that. Did that give you, I don't know, the freedom or the anger? Was that a, Oh, I was pretty, a, a yeah, I was pretty hacked off. But was that a part of the reason why Shine started? Was that... Well, I think you know, it was in part. I mean, in honesty, when the client approached me about whether or not I'd go in-house, I remember thinking, actually, if I can sort of land these fees, there's a year here for me doing this work. Right. And if I get through that, I can definitely make a buck on that. You know, there's some, there's some, some money to be so had So there here. wasn't as much risk as actually some people take on because you, you were near. pretty certain that you Nowhere had this money in the back I, pocket. Really no risk. You know, right. it wasn't... I would actually say in many respects I'm quite risk-averse. Right. Um, and, you know, it's starting that journey. I just sort of thought, well, I can always become a waitress later. Right. So, you know, there's a year here. I can make some money. But what ended up happening with Dad di- dying and passing away... It kind of really put a fire in my belly. You know, that you sort of talk about the anger bit. You know, I really felt like nothing was going to get past me. And literally that first year of Shine, we did not lose one single pitch. We know we won the FA Premier League, we won Timberland, we won Hertz, we won um, Heinz Business. We were best new agency in the first year. I mean, just that's quite extraordinary to say, bearing in mind without in, in any way patronising you were an account director yeah. at that point well I'd only you know, done this, one pitch on my was, own exactly this was not a director <laughs> no. who'd been 
No, there was no trees track record in another there. agency. This was a this was a very good account director. Yeah. Which I'm is... sure there was no one more surprised than Fleischmann Hillard, to be honest. Right. <laughs> and, and certainly... But how did you get in? I mean, I, we'll come back to your dad in a minute. But that's just just to explore that. How does a I don't know what you were. Age, yeah, but what age? I was twenty-eight. So you know, it was you still don't have any grey hairs, but you know what I mean. There is that, and you're presumably leading pictures at this point, and you're yeah. going in for well, some I, big I, clients, and yeah, more in importantly, a I was competitive environment, and you you won. Well, I think that the big leap was, and actually, it became a really founding set of values for me, actually, in how I've probably approached business ever since. But the the most, the biggest step was I went from an account director one day to becoming managing director the next. And of course, you're instantly expected by your team to know the answers. Yes. And I'd never even been in a management meeting, <laughs> you know, at that point. And uh, we were going for pitches where I'd only ever led one pitch previously and won it. So how did you do it? How did you play it? Were you honest and say, guys... This is my second pitch, or did you try and bluff it? Um, with the clients? No, with your team. Oh. With the clients, you, know you definitely bluff it. I went, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. With the clients, I was definitely bluffing it. But bluffing it only within the realms of, do I think I can deliver great work for this client? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't think no, I've... I meant, with, I meant with your team. But with the team... Um, I mean, as crazy as this sounds, I don't even think it came up as a conversation. Right. You know, well, what my account manager suggests you were very confident and yeah. Do you know? I genuinely thought, Ben. I thought I can do this. I kind of, right. I've got this. That's cool. And I thought, um, you know, I'm going to run this business actually like a PR program. So I'm going to set for the business objectives. I'm going to work out what our strategies are. I'm going to put tactics in place around how we're going to run the business. Right. But what's really what I haven't quite got in my head is that from talking to you, I don't think you had a great premonition about setting up a, a big PR firm. No. You see what I mean? So what what you what you did was all, was the perfect way to do it. If you see yeah, what I mean. no pressure. But it seemed to be that I don't quite know how you came up uh, came up with that strategy having not given it a great deal of thought, if you, if you see what I mean. Well, you know, I think this stuff kind of flows because um, the great... I often think one of the great things about being a girl is that sometimes you can relinquish yourself from some of the pressure that I think boys feel. Right. And maybe that's a generational thing. You know, I've just had my 50th birthday. So... Um, I'd never have guessed it. <laughs> thanks, Ben. But uh, perhaps, you know, what that gives you is um, a recognition that, for me, if that business hadn't worked, well, I wasn't going to be letting anybody down. Right. You know, if it didn't work, then, okay. you know, there was... It, then you, you I, I half expected... You paying it. the school fees or the mortgage or whatever else. Actually, or, or, funny know, when but... you say that, actually. So the one thing that had happened is that... Uh, in the four months prior to my dad dying, he's just guaranteed my mortgage on a flat that I was taken. I see what you mean. That I hadn't right. quite occupied. But my attitude was at the time was, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just hand him the flat back. Yeah. So I, could, I took kind of a slightly devil-may-care approach. That I didn't have any kids, didn't have a husband. Right. Um, I was just... But that's not a gender-specific thing, is it? That's a... No. At that time of your life, you don't have as much... Many years overheads. Uh, that that wasn't overheads. gender specific, but yeah. I think one of the things that can hold people back is the feel that the feeling that they might let people down, make yeah. a hash of it, pride. end up with their gone pride, end up right. with their gone their chin, looking looking a fool. And for me, it was like, well, actually, I'm not sure anybody's expecting this to work. So if it doesn't work, <laughs> then uh, you know, except well, they, you, they you obviously were, but well, no one else was. Maybe. Well, I thought I could make it work for a year, right? Uh, but what well, what ended up it, happening it, is we it, did end up doing quite did well a on bit the new better business. than that, Rachel. <laughs> it did work out. Let's come on to that. 
but let's. Do, I just want to just talk about your dad a little bit more, if I may. The because I think that's quite. I, I just want to dig into that that, that that emotion, which probably might even be subconscious, I suppose. But how did you? That was that a. a did that was that a liberalizing emotion? Was it a weight off your shoulders? What, how did that? Uh, do you know what? It just put a fire in my belly. Okay. You know, more than anything, is that I wasn't taking any prisoners. You know, if I went into a pitch, I was leaving with the business. And there was a sort of a, a, I think now, you know, I look back and it's part of the energy that I love about new businesses. And why I love working with new businesses is that there is a fire in the belly. There is a passion, um, an invincible quality. Right. Uh, there's the fact that you, you know, the stuff that you don't know doesn't get in the way. So you're kind of fearless around the fact that there might be some of these obstacles waiting for you because you're oblivious to what those obstacles are. So for me, it was kind of like, you know, I was knocking down doors and winning business by rehearsing hard, getting, you know, really pushing ourselves to get exactly the right answer for this client, make sure the client understood exactly why we were the right team for them to work with. And we were very much hands-on teams. So we didn't leave anybody in any doubt that if they went with us, they were going to be making a great decision. And that's kind of what I think used to push it across the line. But how did you get on the pitch list for these? I mean, go go on, give us the the first year's client list again. Oh, my God, it was incredible. So um, the first client that we won was a company called Heatbusters. But okay, the, the blue chip ones. That's the okay. Well, right, yeah, but that was that was still fantastic. Actually, that 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 pitch, we loved that. I mean, it was air conditioning units. You've never seen two women as excited about air conditioning <laughs> units in your entire life. But, uh, but you, see, you know what I'm going? Yes. Is that you so, grew it quickly. Our third piece of business was the FA Premier League. Yeah. And the FA Premier League Hall of Fame ended up becoming a 200 grand piece of business, which at the press conference we had. 80 media and pretty much all of the international TV crews and we had a judging panel that had every you know Illuminati from the football industry on the panel it was a huge programme but call me a cynic if you did the same again now despite you being you know brilliant at what you do etc etc you would struggle to get on those pitch lists as a startup PR firm I don't think so so what ended up happening and I think this is the thing that that I didn't anticipate is that the people that you've worked with actually respect your work. So the, and want you to succeed. And, and want, you, want you to succeed. So whilst I only started with one client, all of my leads came from people that I'd worked with. Okay. So, you know, Johnny Brissenden, who you know, heads up the faculty at Bournemouth, right. at the time had been an account director, I think a director at Fleischmann's. And he was advising Sky, who were funding uh, the FA Premier League. Right. So oh. they weren't random things that came to the they door. They didn't just turn up, no. Friends of friends. Yeah. Speak to this person. And that, that got you, you know, an initial conversation. Yeah. And then you did sufficiently well to get in the pitch, the pitch was, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I mean, we, we won a, a paint company, uh, which was, I think it was Dulux was the first client. And the Bettina, who I'd worked with, was working for a competing paint brand and said, we can't do this for you, but why don't you give Rachel a call? Right. Uh, Timberland was a first year client we'd worked for the managing director of Timberland at Dunlop Slazenger he joined Timberland and immediately got us in for pitch we were working on Slazenger and Hertz were also a sponsor of Slazenger right. so we met, we set up meetings with all of the so co-sponsors it was kind of an kind of organogram of yeah we thought contacts. right why don't we get all yeah. of the people that work with Wimbledon as clients 
So we went after Hertz. And then actually when they came to us, I said, you know, will you put us on the pitch list? Got him to agree. Gareth Wynn, who went on to EDF Energy that became a client. Um, We've still got uh, easily four clients that were founding clients that are in other businesses that are clients of the academy now still today. Wow. Okay. So it's all about relationships. How quickly did it grow? In, I got it bro- flew. in broad brush terms. So in, in year one, you start off with, with in, sorry, on month zero, you, you obviously had zero fee income. Ballpark, end of year one. I mean, I'm not going to check this out. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, we were, the... uh, end of year one, I think we were like 300 grand. Okay. And, but, and we're talking 1999 Nine. now. Yeah. So we're talking, yeah, we're yeah maybe 350, back. something yeah. like that. And then by the end of year two, we were 750. Okay. Uh, and then we went to about one and a half. And then we went to about two, and then we went to about two seven. Okay. So it was kind of, it, it was just kept, you know, it was just going up at about seven hundred k blocks, and it probably settled probably around. And within the first two years, we were fifteen people, and um, you know, there was all sorts of learning curves around, you know, office space, yeah. um, you know, management, managing the team, and none of which you'd ever done before. Really. None of which no. we'd done before, but and where, where, did it, where did it get to? Peak-wise, in its in its heyday, so to speak. Yeah, well, I think you know, as I stopped being managing director, it was about four point two. Okay. Okay. So it did very well, but the the bit that I, I is for anybody who who is familiar with your career, which is a really interesting part of what you've done, is that you've been involved in so many PR startups. Mm. Um, could, could just give us a to, to, to give listeners a, a flavour of of how many. Just 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 talk us through those. The ones that you're you, you're currently involved with, and obviously the ones that you've you've you've, you've exited from. Um, well, you know, the thing I think I'd probably say about that is that all of the one of the early ambitions of Shine, as it was then, was to always or was to never lose a member of staff for lack of career opportunity. Right. So one of the things we had sort of hotwired in our DNA was to always be looking at providing the next step on the ladder for everybody in the business. And that's how we do our business planning. We came up with a very novel, innovative way of doing business planning that it really served us well because we really anchored the career aspirations of the team in with the aspirations of the business. And we hooked those two things together, okay. which meant everything was always aligned and, and has really served the business. Uh, but in those, in that first year, uh, we, got, we, we ended up being in a meeting with a, a couple of great guys who uh, ended up falling in love with our passion and energy. And they were a company called Generate, which went on to win uh, Best Sponsorship Agency of the Year and sold to Mission Media. Right. So Generate was a founding. I was a f- co-founder of Generate. Uh, we then actually started Mischief as a conflict yep. shop, and Mitch was at Shine at the time. What year are we in now? Mm, probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I'm honest, I'd 2004, say 2004, isn't that? Mm, I don't think it was as late as that. Maybe okay. 2003. You might know okay. better than me, Ben, to be honest. I probably did yesterday, but I've forgotten. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um. I should probably know. <laughs> uh, we started Mischief. Um, but I mean that had that didn't have lofty ambitions when it launched did it just just talk us through that well the, you know what mischief had was Mitch Right, okay. And what what it ended up, you know, one of the things I recognised early in um, who'd worked with you in Shine for Mitch joined Shine as a, a senior account years. exec, right. and then he'd left um, Shine as probably a senior account manager, and he went to McLaren, McLaren, and uh, McLaren Communications, and then he came back 
Oh, no, he went somewhere else, actually. can't remember the name of it. And then he came back. And um, in the interim, he'd been referring all sorts of great people to us and saying, no, you should go and meet Rachel. Go on, you know. Okay. So, you know, he'd been a great ambassador for the business whilst he'd been away. And then he came back as an associate director. And he was fantastic. Well, it might have been an account director, something like that. But, but you started mischief as a conflict shop right well the point I'm getting to is that actually when Mitch came back he'd already um, introduced us to another guy a guy called Greg Greg Jones who was working with me on new business who was another brilliant individual but he then at the point that Mitch came back had been in the agency longer than Mitch so when it came to setting up mischief as a conflict shop uh, we did it because we had Paramount as a client and actually the agency and Paramount were really struggling to have a meeting of minds. I mean, it ended up becoming our most prolific and fantastic client for probably a decade. I mean, it was absolutely outstanding relationship. But at the time, we were really struggling. Brilliant guy, John Robson, was... Uh, I was giving him a bit of a hard time about how his team was treating my team. His team were treating my team. And he was sort of challenging me that that was kind of like something I was going to have to love or shove. And it was uh, and it was becoming a bit of a testy relationship. And he'd said to me that he felt that love film was a conflict for us, which is a bit like, you know, Tesco saying Heinz baked beans is a conflict. You know, it seemed a bit ludicrous. And I couldn't see whether we were going to have Paramount in six months time. So when love film came to us to pitch for their business as a cheeky bit of mischief, we thought, right, we'll go out and win Love Film. And then when old Robbo tells us to sling our hook, we'll be at least partway recovering what was actually our biggest piece of business, even at that time. Right. So we kind of knew that in protecting the staff, we were potentially threatening losing our biggest client. But we were so principled. I love how principled we were. We were like, no one messes with our team. So what ended up happening is I ended up helping run the Paramount account we ended up winning over Robbo at the time and uh, a Mischief won Love Film a Mischief won Love Film and we'd founded Mischief as a bit of Mischief but we then had a a decent sized client in it and we had a couple of other smaller pieces of business that we thought would be probably better served in a smaller business so it was a question of of approaching both uh, Mitch and Greg to say like how do you know what do you want to what do you want to do about this you know who wants to run this and I knew Mitch would bite off my arm to be running that business and um, but he also recognised that we needed to offer it to Greg first and um, and did and Greg was happy with what he was doing as director at Shine and Mitch just took on that opportunity and he ran with it in a way that you know I have to you know utterly respect and admire he totally went out um, and owned that business from day one in terms of uh, building a brand and a reputation and went on to become um, ultimately a majority owner of Mischief just as we were selling it Mm. Um, but I mean and Mischief became bigger than Shine Right. Well, it wasn't bigger than Shine at the point that we sold it. Right. You know, okay. I I probably had the... Did in the end, but after it went to Engine. Yeah, right. but after it went to Engine and was partly fueled by that. But it okay. was an incredibly profitable piece of business as well. I mean, Mitch was a very smart businessman, and we worked brilliantly together on on developing and building. But that grew, I mean, that grew as quick as, probably quicker than Shine. Well, I mean, the it, great thing was is we did all the equity targets for Mischief against the same targets that we delivered right. for Shine. I said, look, you know, this is what I know I've done, you know, albeit, let's say, five years ago. This is what I did. If you, you know, re- if you reckon you're good, good. If, if you think you're hard enough. <laughs> and Mitch said, yeah, I think I am hard enough. And I said, fair enough. And do you know what he was? Well, sorry. <laughs> okay. So fair play to Mitch. Right. And, um, you know, he, he did brilliantly with that. So that's how mischief but was what born. I, but what's interesting about your career is you, you, you kept a, you know, you didn't, you, you kept a good stake of equity. In oh, that. yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as the shrewd business lady that you are, 
Um, I mean, I always said to Mitch, I thought he sold it too soon. Right. Because actually I'd had the majority ownership of that business all the way through to sale. Right. And so I felt like he had his best days to come and he was selling it. But he was really clear about what he wanted to do. Um, And, you know, he did that. And I I think he was really happy with his decision. Yeah. Uh, It worked for both of us. And then he set up the academy. There's more sellers of PR firms than there are buyers, if you know what I mean. So you get an offer... You, know, yeah, you maybe. don't have to take it, but it's a big call to walk away from it, isn't it? I and mean, it's but, interesting. Uh, the reason, you know, the engine approached Shine actually it was engine were looking yeah. to to buy okay. Shine at the time, and I remember thinking, you know, I I don't know that I would ever be the right person to do an earn out right. on a deal. You know, I I've always relished the freedom. It's interesting, You've, and you never have, have you? never have, yeah, okay. and I won't now. No, you know, Mitch will that, end up doing. Those times have gone. Yeah, Mitch yeah. will end up doing an earn out on the um, academy sale at such point that he feels he's ready to do it right. um, and I think Mitch is great at that you know that's yeah. something that's a better suited skill set for him than it probably would be me okay um, so that was you know mischief so back, back to my original question of about 20 minutes ago sorry did so I take too long on that no, one that was fine <laughs> <laughs> it's a three day podcast <laughs> the, um so mischief is one, shines another. Just give me because okay. You know, so there's generate, it's a, it's a stoked, genuinely impressive. John Doe, London, John yeah. Doe, New York, Aduro. Um, I think those are the ones that we've founded. And you've all, all of those are current. You've still currently got. Well, we sold and we sold generate to Mission Media, and obviously, and we sold mischief to Engine Group. Yeah, but the rest um, of them, we acquired are... the Academy. In point of fact, yeah. to and actually renamed Shine the Academy, yeah. and you know that's about. worked brilliantly in terms of you know m- meeting again Mitch's ambition to go ahead and, and grow a company. Um, and whilst I'm probably still the most significant shareholder, you know the opportunity for Mitch is to dilute that and grow that business um, and take it on to its next stage. And I think that's been phenomenally successful. You know he's just but, been shortlisted for Consumer Agency of the Year, which is sure. fantastic. So is the the model in in all of those examples is people who worked with you in one form or another. Yeah. Leaving aside the academy because that's different. We'll come on to that in a minute. But is that they've they've worked for you, and then you've spun out a uh, a, a specialist shop or a conflict shop that's then grown onto to other things. Is that that's basically uh, the model you've replicated pretty most much, of the time? Pretty yeah. much on the PR side, definitely. On the wider businesses like Stokes, the talent management business, generates uh, a sponsorship business. Um, those are companies that were relationships that I developed uh, through networking or relationships that then approached me to say, would you right. help me steer this business and would you become involved as a shareholder? Um, and that's how those have worked. But, you know, of okay. the ones that we home grew, there were three best agencies best agency winners and five best new agency winners which is you know has been a great I think testimony to the calibre of the management practices that we put in place in terms of developing that so I mean the model clearly works if you see what I mean The, 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 the one thought that I had was do you think Shine which has now been merged into the academy would be a bigger business today if you hadn't have spun off those various firms from from, from the mothership, so to speak? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, for me, I've personally, my personal view is, and what's what's motivated me on a, on a personal level, is I absolutely love watching talented, 
passionate individuals that I, you know, admire and respect, seeing them have their moment in the sun. You know, it's never... With with you as a significant equity holder in that Potentially, but actually, to be honest with you, my real passion point is watching people kind of grow their own wings and fly. Okay, so it's never about trying to build shine as this... Your your passion was about, I don't know, people and obviously a financial element, a financial... I mean, I'd be lying if it wasn't about... You're not I'd be lying. But it it wasn't about trying to build shine, which is is fair enough, isn't it? But yes, because, you know, I'm also... uh, You know, I have to tell you ben i'm 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 passionate about my family as well you know i've got three kids i had my first i got pregnant with my first child 12 months into uh starting shine which seemed a little bit absent-minded of me at the time Uh, i can remember wearing bigger and bigger jumpers thinking when a client's (laughs) going to notice that i'm actually up the tough uh have i got away with this still and so you know within the first three years of shine I was already thinking I need to succession plan myself in this business okay. you know Michael Frolish really? who is uh, currently CEO of Ogilvy was my first MD at shine right you know so the, it's interesting that, so that but that was your motivation or, or one of the motivations yeah. behind thinking that you, you, you didn't want to I don't know be there 20 hours a day or whatever, well, not 20 hours a day. But, yeah, and I yeah. was there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I remember you know, Alex Greer, who was a senior account exec yeah. at Shine and left us to go to Frank and is now managing director at Frank. You know, he's only had his career at Shine and Frank. I remember him saying to me over breakfast one time, he goes, Rachel, you were, you know, eight months pregnant and you were always the first in the office and the last to leave. Right. Um, you know, in, in my time when I was sort of young and hungry, you know, for sure I was in there doing the hard yards. But my my ambition was for other people right. to be taking that. I I, I didn't and part really of that want was for, for for your growth, for to see your kids and, and their growth and and yeah. so, But it was okay. it was a you know a, a self fulfilling uh, model, if you like, which is that if I could propel other people's success, it would in turn help me propel mine. Yep. There was a, a mantra around you know not keeping people in gilded cages. You know people right. sometimes need to leave you to shine. Right. Um, I've and the other bit was that if you if you never really saw yourself being part of an earnout, if you see what I mean, then what you did was a, a logical way of not avoiding that. I but never you know saw I mean? myself selling shine because you know the things that I think I do well you know, is is having enough elbow room to make the decisions that I want to make. Okay. You know, there's a lot of good decisions in consultancy which are really about being empathetic to the people involved. You know, having a strong heart as well as a good head is really, really important in business. Okay. You know, and there's a lot, I think in consultancy businesses, a lot of HR law, HR practice can overshadow actually what is the really good What's human the right response thing to do? Yeah. for this. And when you run your own business, you can have a relationship with people where you can both navigate a path together and say, look, how do we make this work? You know, right. that was a really important aspect of ensuring we were a great place for work returning mums. Right. was being able to actually provide an environment that could be genuinely supportive for women, where they felt they could come back and be given the opportunity to really succeed. And I think having a female boss at that time probably was part of it. But being part of an owner-managed business was also part of it. OK. So moving on a little bit, you, you, as we just talked about, you, you've been part of um, or seen a lot of uh, peer entrepreneurs start up and and found their business um are there some common themes there that that link those success stories yeah 
Definitely. I mean, the thing that um, a, a good, you know, somebody that you identify has got that right entrepreneurial streak has got, I think, a level of tenacity in terms of um, going after an opportunity. You know, they're not going to let something get away from them easily. Uh, they also have a level of charisma in my experience, where they can, you know, be persuasive, win people over. You know, yeah. we know lot, I know lots of entrepreneurs in business that aren't those things, but I think within our industry, those two things, you know, a lot of, you know, most revenue comes is one at pitch. So your ability to both be strategic but charismatic, I think, is a vital quality to be able to take a client on the journey with you. No, quite a rare skill. You know, the, the culmination of the qualities that you need to be a, a good business owner and manager, you know, is, you know, and also an element of, of, of directness and straight talking and um, transparency or tenacity, if you like, where, okay. you know, you're comfortable being challenged around what you're doing and why you're doing it, but you know what you want to do and why you're doing it. Right. And I think those people, you can spot them in your own business. Okay. You know, I personally think they're quite easy to identify. You've identified about six of them over the years. Well, that we've, been, we've had a lot of them. There's a lot of people that have walked through Shine that are currently running businesses in yeah, the industry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. So on the other side of that, what are the most common mistakes people make? Because it's, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? I think the biggest mistake is to under, underestimate the fact that you're running a people business. Okay. You know, if you, if you stop having that human instinct around, you know, your, your stock in trade, you know, your product on the shelf is people's hearts and minds. Right, and so you if know, you start, you can't trade if you that. Stop communicating with them or, or whatever else, then you're you know, in trouble. I, I, you talk about in you know in um, in business what I call the emotional bank account. You know, the emotional bank account is you know is a series of lots of small transactions yeah. where you know people are paying in yeah. emotionally into your business, but they also have to have the opportunity to withdraw yeah. some cash from that business as well in terms of their sort of emotional well-being. So treating people like adults, adults trusting people, listening to people, allowing them to feel heard within your business. You know, they're very, very simple mantras. But if you're running a people business, they're absolutely vital. And hard to do. if they, They're easy to do when you've got loads of time. But if you're running, running around like a, like a madman, mad woman, trying to hit deadlines, win pitches, you, you, you know, you have to make time for that stuff, don't you? You do, absolutely. But, you know, I think it's also a mindset. Okay. Is that you know? I don't think Nike would cut corners on them designing their trainers, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, just because they're all busy and under pressure. Right. You know, and I don't think you can cut corners on looking after your staff and listening to them, and having to find a little bit of extra time sometimes when things aren't quite going to plan. Right. To actually understand what's at the heart of it. Good work. Now, coming right up to date, just tell me about the the, the story behind the, the, the merger of, of Shine and the Academy. What was what was all that about? So, um, it was fantastic, actually. Um, I always say it was Mitch's idea. And actually, Mitch reminded me recently that it was actually my idea. So, what, when we, we had a fantastic MD, the year that Shine, in 2012, Shine was shortlisted for Best Agency at PR Week. And at that time, Richard Brett was MD. And Richard um, needed to leave the agency to go to Australia uh, because of some of his own personal circumstances. And we then had a, a, a position for an MD. And actually, Mitch had just done the sale. He'd just take me for dinner, actually. He's such, such a 
gorgeous gesture is it was his last week having completed his uh, earnout at Engine Group right. took me for dinner to say look this is me signing off boss and uh, we, he took me for a really fancy dinner at The Cut in Waterloo and I congratulated him on a brilliant job done because of course I wasn't really his boss at all anymore no. but it was a really sweet gesture and um, we had a really nice dinner I said look you know Mitch don't you know what are you going to do now why don't you come and run Shine and he's like no 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 you know I'm not interested <laughs> in doing that I'm going to go and start my own agency with Dan and I said oh you know that's a bit miserable fair enough uh, and probably two years after that uh, Academy was already, be, you know, carving its way. It was up for best new agency, and Mitch had asked me out for breakfast, and we'd kept missing each other on this breakfast appointment. This just particularly this week, like the, we rang each other, he rang me, or I rang him. Can't remember how. We ended up at breakfast with real time to kill. That just never ever happens in either of our diaries. So we sort of sat there in the sunshine, shooting the breeze, and having a right giggle about different people, twists and turns of business. And um, and I was bemoaning the fact that, you know, Shine was getting tons and tons of new business leads, but I didn't feel like we were converting enough of them. And Mitch was kind of bemoaning the fact at the academy he was getting nowhere near enough business leads, but he was converting all of them. And we just, just like, started joking about that fact. And um, he then said it to me, you know, what we should do is I should come and run Shine. And I was like, oh, my God, that's such a brilliant idea. I love that. I said, you know what? I actually had that idea, you know, Mitch. And he said, yeah, no, I know you told me. (laughs) So I probably did have that idea originally. But Mitch came up with it at the time that we did the deal. And I don't think either of us actually thought it would probably happen. At the time, I was just dealing with uh, John Doe North America. I would just was, you know, I, I have a couple of other businesses that you know, we've not mentioned. I have a, a spare parts business. Uh, I also have an engineering business, a, a large engineering business that I inherited a long time ago from my dad, which is, uh, okay. you know, many, many times bigger. It's now a, a UK national business. Right. Um, and... What's the revenue of that? Sixteen million. Okay. Sales. So that's that's bigger than all the PR firms put together. Bigger than all the PR firms put together. Okay. And um, and that was grown from a two million start. You're a busy lady, Rachel. There's plenty going I on. I can't believe you're here. <laughs> There's plenty going on. Um, and it, I was getting to a point where I was getting tired of doing the CEO job yeah, right. at Shine, and I loved the idea of Mitch doing that. But I kind of needed to get a few things sorted with the Rana situation yeah, in yeah, New York yeah. and. So I kind of said to Mitch, look, let's just chew that over. Give me two months. I'm going to take, I've, I've got a couple of weeks come off coming up. Let's work, let's, let's sit with it and see what we think, which we did. And then Mitch, you know, keen as mustard, like, if we're going to do this, we've got to do it now. You know, do you want to do it? Should we make this happen? And um, I don't know, I just came back from that a couple of weeks off and said, let's, let's have the conversation, see if it happens. And if it does, we'll do the deal or... You know, we'll see whether there's a fallout or something that's a sticking point. And do you know what? That we put that deal together in a matter of uh, probably four meetings. Really? And um, it just flowed. Well, I mean, it's just equity, right? There was no, there was no just an equity, no, but no dollar looks there was always a, an interplay. You know, I had 100% of Shine. Uh, yeah. Academy wasn't going to be anywhere near even 50% of. Um, of shine in terms of revenue at that point. It's a much smaller business. So it was about working out how we could carve that up and give those guys the bigger, yeah. longer-term opportunity. And it gave them a much bigger, you know, train set to play scale. with. Yeah, gave them clients, yeah. revenue, people. Yeah, and, it, right. and it was, that was the day that we actually changed shine to the Academy Media Group. 
Yeah. And but we kept the Shine brand, oh, really? and then that got retired, you know, over time. And you know, Mitch and Dan are really passionate about the Academy brand, and they're the ones leading that business. Yes, and because it's right for it's the right time for them, isn't it? And, like, and they're yeah. doing a brilliant job at it. And yeah. in honesty, did you have a sh- did you have shed a tear? When the shine brand disappeared, I didn't actually. I think you know I got lots of emails from people about you know the sort of retirement of the shine brand. It's a dark day, Rachel. Well, for me actually, the shine brand was very much built out of values that were personally very dear to me. Yeah. But I was in that business, leading that business, delivering those values, and what I recognised is that actually for Mitch and Dan to be delivered, building a business that was right for them, far more important to me than the Shine brand, which actually values needed to be tweaked if it was going to actually become Dan and Mitch's business. And it felt better for me to be retired in a way than to... That's nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then for them to take that forward how they wanted. And and I was going to say, what's next for Rachel Bell? I mean, goodness me, you've got plenty on. But but what's your... Well, the thing I'm doing at the moment is I'm... I've actually recently just been made an entrepreneur in residence for London Business School. Right. Which I'm really loving. I'm helping co-create a... um, a syllabus that for with them around sort of uh, they call it a Spock or a MOOC or something, which is basically online training syllabus for management consultancy. So I'm loving working on that because that kind of uses all my sort of management skills, which I'm passionate about. I'm working with a guy called Richard Hall who did the brilliant uh, marketing series to create a book called Pop Ups, Cock Ups and Startups, which we're just have just got commissioned for publishing. Ah. And I'm working as a non exec director or non exec chair with. Um, four or five other agencies in the business. So I'm a little bit, you know, I'm sort of... And I'm doing some mentoring, uh, you know, free of charge through uh, women in PR. Okay. Uh, so I'm so enjoying mentoring. I'm enjoying mentoring. I'm really loving doing the non-exec work. You know, that's something... And you've got, an, a, you've got I don't know, four PR agencies. You're a part owner of it as well, and you're... A spare parts business and engineering company. It's plenty to, plenty to keep you busy keeps you out of mischief (laughs) keeps me out of mischief Rachel thank you very much thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast produced in association with the Marketeers Network if you'd enjoyed the show please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating